we are doing a series called Open Doors. And this is the Missions Awareness Month. I want us to turn to our Bibles in the book of John chapter 3. God has already opened doors for us to be able to minister. The song that Fina was leading here, Send Me to the Nations, the nations actually mean the people that are around you, the people that God has brought to you, the people that God will send you to. And the title of my sermon today is Man on a Mission. Man on a mission because we have open doors. In fact, the verse that we are going to read, we don't even have to read, to read it from the Bible. John chapter 3 verse 16. On the count of three, we can say it. One, two, three. For God so loved the world. That is where the sermon for today is coming from. For God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Man on a mission. Looking through scripture, from the moment the first man sinned, God has been on a mission to bring back people in fellowship with him, in relationship with him because the Bible says that we were formed in the image of God. And when we are formed in, in the image of God, actually it talks of the spiritual aspect. Man is a spirit, but we are in this body and the body we use it to operate in this world. We are gods. In other words, I'm not saying that we are gods. We belong to God. That is what I mean. We belong to God. And so when the first man sinned, God was in the business. Genesis chapter 12, we see a man called Abraham. Abraham was polytheistic. He used to worship other gods. But then God saw him as a man on a mission because God so loved the universe. He loved the world. He loved the people that were in sin that he gave. He used Abraham and he called Abraham to live where he was to leave his household, to leave even his belongings because God is calling you from something and he is calling you to something. Man on a mission. Look at the life of Moses. Moses was another man on a mission. The children of Israel had been in captivity for 430 years, that is over 10 generations, they had been sleeping in the enemy's camp. They had been in the, with the enemy. They were taught everything according to how the enemy wanted them to learn. But then God raises someone, a man on a mission. God raises Moses. And Moses, the name means drawn out. And Moses was drawn out from a place where Pharaoh was killing the children of Israel. This is a place where the, 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 the child had to be put in, in, in something so that he would sail in the river Nile. 
man on a mission. You see how God chooses to use people regardless of where you are at, regardless of the times that you are facing, regardless of your background. But as long as God has put something in you, he is going to draw you out so that he will use you as a man on a mission. Fast forward. The year is 1939 in a city called Krakow in Poland. And there's a man that wanted to make a fortune. The World War, World War II had already begun. And so there's a man who wanted to make a fortune. He wanted to make money. He wanted to make things. In other words, he was on a mission. Hitler, the Nazis were killing the Jews. The Jews were being put in consecration camps so that they will be destroyed. And then there's a man who was on a mission. And this man, his mission turned. His name is Oskar Schindler. Oskar Schindler was a German, but he was in the enemy's camp. And in Krakow, what this Schindler did is that he saw there's no way I will see the Jews die. But I am on a mission. And he had a factory that would make you would make utensils and all other equipment. And what Oscar Schindler did, he used to buy the Jews. And he will put them in that factory so that they will work. And the Jews will say, Schindler's place is a haven for us. Man on a mission. He continued to buy people and each and every other time he was buying people. And remember, he is German, but he is buying the Jews because God had changed his mission. He had gone to make a fortune, but his fortune was actually to buy people. And in the movie Schindler's List, as it comes to an end, you find that Oscar Schindler is at a place that he is, he is being chased with the, by the enemy. And he is saying, I wish I had money that I would buy another, another Jew. I wish I had money that I would buy another person and put this person in my factory. He was even saying, I wish I could have sold my car or my ring so that I would buy another person and the story ends by him saving 1100 Jews from a place called Auschwitz where they were being put in the burning burning place in a place that was burning and they were being sent there naked to die Oscar Schindler was a man on a mission and he symbolizes us the way God can use us so that we will be on a mission to reach out to people and save them from the eternal lake of fire. There's a statement that says value determines sacrifice. Value determines sacrifice. If you value something, you will sacrifice for it. If you value something, you will sacrifice for it. And as you sacrifice for it, you find results. Oscar Schindler valued the Jewish people and then he sacrificed his car. He sacrificed his money. He sacrificed even his own life so that people will come to his haven, as the Jews will say, man on a mission.
Let me put it into biblical perspective. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so valued the world that he sacrificed. For God so valued if you value your walk with God, you will sacrifice many things. If you value the things or the people that God is bringing to you, you will sacrifice. And after you sacrifice, you will be able to see results. The story of Oscar Schindler picture, paints a perfect picture of how results are able to come. If you value your walk with God, you will sacrifice spending time with him and in prayer. And the results are you will be blessed and God will do amazing things in and through you. I'm going to give three points and then I leave. Now that we know that we have been called to be men and when I say men, I speak of women as well. A man on a mission, three things. The first one is the motive for missions. The second one is the means or the method for missions. And the third one is the miraculous power in missions. The motive, the method or means, and the miraculous power. And the first one, the motive for God so loved. The motive is love. I remember there was a time I was seated in a room and we were discussing about young people and how we are able to, 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 to come up with activities that we will make them to become better people and programs. And I, and I remember the person that was facilitating, he was saying, what comes to your mind when, when we talk about young people? And we started saying drunkards, we started saying drug addicts, we started saying thieves, we started saying people who are in fornication, we started saying all these things, we started saying people who are jobless. And then this person asked us a question that they room made the room where go as silent as the grave and he said and what does God see and then it hit us in as much as you see someone as a drunkard God does not see that person as a drunkard God sees that person as someone who has potential someone who is great someone who is able to turn this city upside down if God is using Kanye West who are you to say that God is not able to use someone who is a drunkard in other words, the motive for God is love. And God is calling us to love these people. Not for us to look at these people as a drunkard. Not for us to look at this person as someone who is stubborn. Not for us to look at this person as someone who is not making sense. As someone who is retarded. Or someone who we, we have given up on. But God loves these people. And he wants us to love these people. Because he wants us to value. Because when you value someone, you will overlook the issues that they are facing God is calling us to be a people that we love let me speak about something on the theology of the cross the cross has two posts and the first one goes down and the second one goes horizontally and the vertically one speaks about our relationship with God and when it speaks about our relationship with God the other one speaks about our relationship with others and in other words God wants us to relate with him so that we can be able to relate with other people but the problem is we only 
only look at the vertical one and we overlook. And when, when the MC sometimes stands in this place and says, turn to your neighbor and you don't want to turn to your neighbor. It's not about your issues. It's not about the things that you are going through. Yes, you may be down, but God is saying he has given you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm here to remind you again. Sometimes you may not want to turn to the person next to you, but God is saying this is the day that he has made. Regardless of where you are at, you should rejoice. You should give him praise. That's why you will turn to the person next to you and you may say, I may not be okay but I am saying hi to you. I will smile back to you because I love you. The Bible says, how can you love the person next to you and then you say that you love God? How can you say you love God and you don't love the person next to you? You are a liar. That is what the Bible says. How can you not love the person next to you, but you say you love God? You come here, you lift up your hands, you come here and praise and worship, but at the back of, 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 of your mind, you are cursing the person next to you. You don't even love the person next to you. In fact, sometimes that could be a way that is hindering your blessings because God gives us blessings through people. That's why the Bible says, give and it shall be given back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over, shall mend the person next to you. How can we say that we love God yet we don't love the person next to us? Why do we keep on talking negative about the person next to us? Why do we keep on saying, ah, umseana kuanga ivi? Why do we keep on talking like that? And God today is rebuking us and he is saying, I have called you to love that person. It is my business for me to sort this person. I will change this person. It's not your job. Billy Graham says, my job is to love people, but God is the one who will change people. God's love is deep and wide that it reaches everyone. God's love is deep and wide and it reaches everyone. The motive for you as a man on a mission is love. There are many times that God has called me to love. I remember in 2015, when we were down there, I would stand and preach, and after preaching, someone will come and abuse me. Someone will say words that will hurt me. And I remember I would sit and ask myself, why did God call me? And God is telling me, love that person love that person. I know it's not easy to love, but when we go by that, we will not love and we will miss the blessing. We will not do that which God has called us to do because we are in this world for a limited amount of time. 
God is calling us to love. And my second point is the method or the means in missions. For God so loved the world that he gave. The method and means is giving. I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them giving. I had mentioned that value determines sacrifice. If you love, you will give. Perhaps maybe the reason as to why we are struggling to give is because we don't love. But the Bible is saying that for God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. Let me explain it from scripture. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In other words, this word that was God, verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. The word that was with God, the word that was God made its dwelling amongst us, came down from heaven and made his dwelling amongst us. The word that was with God, the word that was God, the word that is Jesus made his dwelling, came and sat among people. And he came and sat among people that were grieving. He came and sat among people that didn't have food. I'm speaking about the 5,000. He came and sat among people that had an issue of blood bleeding for 12 years and he, he, he dwelt among such people. He came and dwelt with people that had issues that people were demon possessed and he made a dwelling amongst them and as he made dwelling. He made a dwelling amongst people that had many issues. People that didn't have, didn't have sight. People that didn't have money. People that didn't have school fees. People that didn't have anything. And he made his dwelling amongst us. And when the Bible says that he made, made his dwelling amongst us, he was moved by compassion. And as he made his dwelling, he interacted, he spent time with the people. For 30 years, he made his dwelling amongst people. He made his dwelling amongst men. And as he was walking, the people that were lost, whether they were asking, is abortion right or abortion not right? He made his dwelling and he was saying, I am the way. And the people that were confused and didn't know what to do, the people that were looking for truth in other places, he was showing them as he made his dwelling amongst men. He was showing that, them that I am the truth. He made his dwelling among people that were dying and he showed them that I am the life. I am the bread. I am the good shepherd. The people that were being taken care of by people that were taking advantage of them. He said that I am the good shepherd. This person that made his dwelling amongst men was given Romans chapter 8 says that after 
he made his dwelling. He spent with people for 30 years. After he did all that, at the age of 33, he died. And when he died, people were having a party that this person is dead. But on the third day, he rose again. The book of Acts chapter 1 says that the person that made his dwelling among men spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom, teaching them about the kingdom, preaching about the kingdom, speaking truths and telling them, I want you men to become men and women of, on mission because I am going to do great things through you because I have called you if I have given. And the Bible continues to say in Romans chapter 8 verse 34, the man that made his dwelling amongst men is seated at the right hand of the Father and him being seated at the right hand of the Father, he is interceding for you. And when the Bible says that he is interceding for you, what does that mean? He is going to God on behalf of you. So when you ask for school fees, he won't be like, what is school fees? Because remember, he made his dwelling amongst men. So when you're grieving, he is not like, he is not, what is grieving? What is pain? Because he understands everything. Some friends may tell you that they understand, but there is someone who made his dwelling and that person is seated and he goes to God on your behalf. The praying son and the giving father. That is so deep that I don't think even people will get that. For God so loved that he gave. Many of us are struggling to give. Someone say that time is money. And money, if time is money, then money is time. If money is time, time is money. But then I want to go deeper. If time is money and money is time, when I lose my money, there's a possibility that I will get it back one day. But if I lose my time, there's no way I will be able to get that time. And that's why he's saying, teach us to number our days as men on mission. Teach us to redeem the times because they are open doors. Teach us to count. Teach us to number our days. You may be the one who is struggling to give financially, but God is saying you can give something that is of worth as compared to money, your time. How many times Nelson stands here and he says, guys, we need people who are able to serve. People who are able to give. And even as people go for Aga Khan High School, uh, not Aga Khan High School, Aga Khan um, Hospital, Children's Nini, Children's Ward, as in there's even transport, we just need your time. How many people, but when issues come, the first person to call is the pastor. Today I'm being real. How many of us are able to give off of our time, even after service to help carry a speaker? How many of us are able to give? Sometimes we don't even want your money, we just want your time. 
We just want your time. Give us of your time. Come and spend with the people that are, that are sick in the hospital. Come and spend time with the people that are going through difficult times. In fact, the people that are mourning, sometimes they need our presence. In other words, our time. Remember you are a man or a woman on a mission. I have a lot of illustrations to speak about giving, the ones that have failed and the ones that I haven't failed. And I learned that the reason as to why I struggled with giving is because I struggled with loving. There's a story a guy wrote a book and it's called For This Cross I Will Kill You. His name is Bruce Olson. At the age of 19, he had the call of God to go to a, a place where there were, the, the people in that place were hostile. The people in that place didn't receive him so well, but he had the call to love. And this man gave himself when he went to that it's a South American country when he went to that country the people wanted to kill him at night and in the night God will wake him up and he will tell him I want you to run and he will run and the next morning he will come back and the people will be laughing yet they wanted to kill him a hostile environment and this guy Bruce Olsen because he loved he gave he gave and he formed a, a friendship with a guy called Borashibora and they continued to interact, they continued to know each other and he said, I am going to teach you my language and I, you will teach me my language and as he was doing that, he did not forget that he was the man on a mission and he led this man to Christ. Friends, you see what God can do when, when God has sent you somewhere. He will elevate you and he will bring people as a form of provision and the people will take you to the next level so that you will achieve the goals that God will want you to do. And so this man is, is in this place and, and one day there was a festival. There was a festival where people would come from different places, different cities and villages and, and chiefs and all these other people and they will come and the festival was there will be dance like I think that was the first, let's be honest. There will be dance, there will be um, um, eating, there will be, there will be a hype, a hype man. I think Eriko Alikuapo. And, and there will be many other people. And the thing about that, when you were telling your story in that festival, if people didn't like you, they will shut you down. And so this friend of his called Borashibora will go there and he will start telling his story and he will tell his story and he will tell his story in the language of the people. And as he continued to tell the story, the people that were there, he mentioned something that blew his mind off and he said, there's a man that I had met and he changed my life. And I would also want him to change your life. And how many people will want to receive this man, Jesus? And everyone in that place raised their hands. And as we speak now, Venezuela is 65% plus Christian because of one man that loved and he gave sacrificially. God is calling us to give 
sacrificially. I want you to turn to the person next to you. And tell them God is calling you to give. God is calling you to give to the person next to you, not here. God is calling you to give off of your time. If it is the money that you have um, and God is, you feel God is telling you, give. Because there is a plan and there is a purpose to that. Jesus fulfilled God's method of missions by totally submitting to God's will. He practiced self-denial. And he had great compassion for the lost and suffering humanity. Jesus was motivated by a relentless purpose. Sacrificial giving is what God is calling us to. And it leads to my third point. Miraculous power. The first point was the motive, love. The second point, the method or means, sacrificial giving. And the third point is miraculous power. And my focus is the only begotten son. And when it speaks of the only begotten son, the only begotten son in John 3.16 speaks of the one and only son. It speaks of the unique. It speaks of one of a kind. God gave us his best. And Jesus was given to us through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was given through the working of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 1 from verse 30, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, the Holy Spirit will overpower you. In other words, Jesus came through the power of the Holy Spirit. His birth is immaculate conception. The power of the Holy Spirit, the only person that has been born that way, the only begotten son. And for us as we love people, for us as we give, God is calling us to complete this mission for you to become a great man or a great woman on a mission is for you to depend on the Holy Spirit. Let me explain from the Bible. The book of Mark or Luke chapter 4, Mark chapter 1 or Luke chapter 4 says that Jesus came through the dressing womb of Mary. And then when he was about 30 years, he was revealed, the public revealing for his ministry. When he began his ministry, this is the time that we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came, descended, came upon him in the form of a dove. And the Bible says that this is where God the Father, the God, the, the, the God that gives, say that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He was affirmed before he began his ministry. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him, him in the form of a dove 
that was a, 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 a way that it, it's showing that he is being empowered so that he will be a man on a mission, so that he will carry out everything in a relentless power, serving God's will. And let me ask you a question. If a dove was to come to this place and to descend on your shoulder, how would you walk? You will walk circumspectively. Hey, I say the hard word. <laughs> you will walk carefully so that what is in you or on you will not depart. And that is a symbol of how when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we should walk. Someone says, says that when the Holy Spirit comes in me, he becomes resident. When I am filled with the Holy Spirit, he becomes president. In other words, when you get born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that is where now the Holy Spirit leads you. And we get to find that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit in everything that he did. He was led by the Holy Spirit. In fact, after, after being, being revealed publicly and being affirmed by the Father, Jesus went into the wilderness for testing. You see what the Holy Spirit does? He leads you into a place of trouble. But it, do, it doesn't just end there. In as much as he leads you into the place of trouble, Psalm chapter 46, if I'm not wrong, says that God is our present help in time of trouble. In other words, we should allow trouble to come so that we will see how great God is. And Jesus, him being someone, serving a relentless purpose, serving the will of God, there's no way he could be defeated because God says in his word, as a man or a woman on purpose, as long as I lead you, it doesn't matter if it's trouble. I will show up and I will show forth and I will show myself to the people that are there and God will be glorified. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit anoints. The Holy Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit is able to give us ideas on how to reach out to people. The Holy Spirit is able to give us ideas in companies, ideas in schools, ideas in every other place. We are living in a world that is full of sin, but the Holy Spirit is able to empower you. Someone said that the Holy Spirit comes in me for me, but he comes upon me for the sake of other people. We can't love, we can't give if we are not being led by the Holy Spirit. God is calling us to be a people who are on a mission. God is calling us to love. God is calling us to give. Friends, the time that we are in this world is very limited. Yes, you may spend time watching and doing things that will never add up to your growth, but God is saying that the time that we are in this world is limited. I might be here today and tomorrow I may never even be there. But God is teaching me, in as much as you love and you give, listen to the voice of the Spirit. Because we are all 
men on mission. I want us to bow down our heads. You're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus. This is our first mission. You're saying, Lord, I want you to have me as your child. Just lift up your hand. Just lift up your hand so that I can see. You don't have to shy away. You don't have to shy away. Just lift up your hand. I've seen some hands go up. Thank you for that hand. Just lift it up so that we can see it. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. I won't make the altar call for someone who wants to rededicate their life. But I want you to just speak to God. You know yourself better. Any other person who wants to give their life, just lift up your hand. I saw two hands. Just lift up your hand so that we can see. Jesus, we exalt you in this place. Jesus, we say that there is no God like you. There is no king like you. There is no God like you. Father, be exalted. Be exalted. And still with our heads bowed, still with our heads bowed, just tell God, help me to be a man on a mission. Help me to serve you in a relentless purpose. Help me to be used of you where I am planted. Help me, Jesus. And for the person that has given their life, just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you as a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. So have your way in my life. I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's appreciate God. Let's appreciate God.